You know, when Lauren said that the children could go, all the children could go out to her with her to Sunday school, there was a mom here in the front who, who mouthed this to me. Yes. <laughs> Our second scripture reading today comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 6 to 9. Listen for God's word to you. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the man working the vineyard, See here, oh, sorry, see here. For three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year, until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning once again. Um, good to see you all here this morning. Hi to those watching on Facebook Live or YouTube or listening to this later as a sermon podcast. I wonder if you're familiar with the hit musical Hamilton. Have you heard of Hamilton? Have you seen Hamilton? Something like that? Okay. There's a scene in this musical where George Washington is saying goodbye in singing version uh, to, the, to the young nation that he has helped to establish and set up. And this is, this is the line that he sings. He says, like the scripture says, everyone shall sit under their own vine and fig tree and no one shall make them feel afraid. Have you ever heard that before? Maybe in the musical, or maybe it calls to mind where that actually comes from in the scripture. It's an Old Testament saying that shows up in the Bible in one form or another, in 1 Kings, in Isaiah, in Micah, in Zechariah. This reference to the fig tree and the vineyard, the vine, has to do with prosperity, with security, with being established, feeling settled, being rooted or planted in a place, maybe having a long-term investment that's finally paying off. The vineyard and the fig tree are symbols of God's covenantal relationship with the people of Israel, God's long-term commitment to be their God and they to be God's people. A few years ago, a friend of mine um, invested pretty heavily in um, Bitcoin. Yes, the online cryptocurrency that you are probably familiar with. Um, and I don't know anything about it, but um, Bitcoin always seems to be in the news because it like starts out low, then it goes to some crazy height, and then it crashes back down again, and it's sort of tumultuous in a certain way. And whenever, um, it goes, whenever Bitcoin would be in the news going through one of these kind of cycles, um, these spasms, I would, I would reach out to my friend and say, hey, buddy, how you doing? How you feeling? I would kind of tease him, you know. Are you, are you thinking of holding on to this investment, or are you thinking you're going to get out of your position? Is it time to, to, to buy, sell, or leave it alone? And my friend introduced me to this term that um, you might have heard before called HODL. Uh, this is an investment principle that stands for hold on for dear life, HODL. And he says, I've made my investment, I've made my decision, I'm going to hodl, hold on for dear life through all the ups and downs. And when it, makes it, and when it comes to making a financial investment, this might be a, a wise strategy. This is not financial advice, I assure you. Um, but then this week, Lisa, my wife, got in the mail at our house this report from an education fund we had set up to, um, to invest in our kids' future for college. And um, she said, and she was frowning, that's not a good sign. 
And she said, we put $500 in this, and the fund lost $700. So where's their money going for our kids' future? And the question kind of hung in the air. You know, what should we do about it? Is this the right place to keep our money? Is this a good investment, or should we make a change? Because this isn't really paying off. We had expected one return, we're getting another. So should we give it up, or should we hodl? Should we hold on for dear life? I think these are some of the same questions that the parable we read today from Jesus in the Bible is asking as well. There's a landowner who has a vineyard, and in his vineyard, he's planted a fig tree. And in the traditional reading of this text, I'll give you that, then we'll reinterpret a little bit together. In the traditional reading, the landowner represents God, and the fig tree is the people or nation of Israel, ancient Israel, God's own people who've been given a land and an identity, who've been given the law and told the right way to live. And um, God has given every good and necessary thing to them, has established them, placed them in a vineyard full of good things. But then it turns out that this fig tree isn't producing any fruit, any figs. Jesus seems to have this critique of the people of Israel, or certainly its leaders in his time, the, the, um, especially the religious authorities. Instead of producing the fruit of righteousness, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, this fig tree is barren. God's people, God's chosen instrument to bless the whole world is not producing any fruit in the way that it lives. So here comes that mean old landowner who comes across as kind of impatient in this story. And he says, cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil and the water and the time that it takes to tend to it? But then the gardener comes in kind of like an Old Testament prophet who's meeting with the landowner and says, hold on, give it one more chance. Let me dig around it and add manure in to fertilize it. Let me give it a little TLC, some tender loving care, and we'll see if this will be the year when it finally starts producing that good fruit. So this is a story that sits between divine judgment, which says something's got to change, and divine patience, which says give it one more chance. That's probably the way that Jesus intended originally for this story to be heard. He's talking to a Jewish audience, to his own community, and he was saying, we've got to make some changes in the way we're setting up our society, that's to the leaders, and to how we're living, that's to the people. It's a parable about ancient Israel in Jesus' time. But then we know that those followers of Jesus um, in, the, in the first century, they became something new, the church, a new covenant with God through Jesus Christ. So the church represents this new covenant community where God continued to invest in and bless and be with the people who trusted in him to give gifts of the Spirit so that they might bear fruit. So this parable is also a story for us today, not just for ancient Israel long ago, but it has to do with our lives because we've been planted, we've been established, we've been watered, some of you have been fertilized, and, oh sorry, that was a good thing, so we've been fertilized in our lives, and God's asking us to bear good fruit. But if we're not careful, 
If we're not careful with this story today, it kind of comes across like a bad news story, right? Instead of the grace of a mother of young children saying yes when her kids get unexpectedly taken to Sunday school, we might hear this story and see in it God as this rude, impatient, mean landowner. You know, the one who comes looking for the fruit on the fig tree and never finds it. It's bad news in a way because sometimes we could feel like a little bit underperforming. Have you ever felt that way in your spiritual life? Like, I wish I really got my spiritual life going. I wish my faith was stronger than it is. I wish my prayer life was more consistent. Do you ever feel like you wish you could, like, interpret and explain the mysteries of the Bible to your children or your grandchildren, or maybe that you had an amazing testimony of faith, something that really where God changed your life. But maybe your story doesn't seem that impressive and sort of not enough. Ah, it's not that dramatic. My story doesn't matter as much as someone else's. Maybe, we ask, maybe we're just a bunch of underperforming fig trees, where we're not bearing the kind of fruit we wish we were and want to be, where we keep messing up and failing and falling down. Is that all there is to this story? What if that was the picture of God that got into your head, where this angry landowner is always disappointed with you, always on the edge of just chopping you down and throwing you away? Couldn't this story lead us to see God in that way? But don't worry, little friends. I won't leave you there. I want to give you a bigger picture of what God is like. Jesus once said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So when I think about the character of God, I always want to look at Jesus and see what he's talking about, what he's into, what he's working on. Remember the story? This is a Bible story. Jesus one day was in the temple teaching, and the scribes and the Pharisees dragged before him a woman caught in adultery. Remember that story? The woman caught in adultery. And, and they say to her, they, they bring this woman, they drag her in, and you can picture this scene. It's like this crowd, this mob, who are just like ready for vengeance to really get this lady. They throw her down, and they say, Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. The very act? And the law says that we should stone her to death for her crimes. What do you say? In this story in the Bible, Jesus sits down and he starts kind of drawing in the sand. Remember, he starts kind of designing something in the sand. We don't know what he's writing or doing. They keep insisting on an answer, and so finally Jesus looks up and says, Let anyone among you who is without sin cast the first stone. And one by one, little by little, the crowd dissipates, it dissolves, it disappears. People walk away because not one of them is there without sin. Nobody. Nobody has, has nothing that they wish they could go back and change or that they really kind of messed up on or they wish they could do differently. We all have that. And so in the end, this woman is sitting there alone with Jesus, and he says, woman, lady, friend, is there no one here to condemn you? And she says, there's no one, sir. And Jesus says to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. 
There's a Lutheran pastor named Nadia Boltz Weber, who some of you might have heard of uh, because she has a lot of tattoos and uh, buff arms, cooler hair than me, if that's possible. <laughs> and she talks about this parable, and, um, and, this is, and she kind of reinterprets it a little bit. She's kind of working on it. And she says, maybe we're both the tree and the landowner at the same time, because more often than not, we're actually the ones who are busy judging ourselves more harshly than almost anybody else. Does that happen to you? This is what she says. She writes, I felt like the tree and the vineyard owner at the same time, both the one who does not produce and the one who harshly judges the lack of production. Well, then I realized that, or when I realized that, I, it felt amazing to take the next jump. This is what she says which is to realize that God is the one in our lives who steps in with a big sledgehammer of grace and advocates for us and says, one more year, one more year, another month, another week, another day. This is what God comes to us offering like an endless deferment of your student loans. One more year, people of God, one more year to do what needs to be done. This is what she says. This is the God we see in Jesus Christ, a God who tells our inner judgy vineyard owner to back off because you are a beloved child of God who has been named and claimed and forgiven and loved as God's very own so that you can bear fruit. In the end, this parable is about God's divine patience. Yes, the owner of the vineyard has made an investment and wants to see a return. Yes, the tree is made to bear fruit. Yes, now is the time, and we are reminded again to get moving, to get growing. And yes, God is giving us another year, another month, another week, and one more day. So here's my question for you as you sort of think about this parable for your life this week. What is the area of your life where God has shown you mercy or patience? Where has God shown you mercy or patience? Where has that been present in your story? And then as you understand that Jesus is at work digging around the, the base of the tree, adding some fertilizer and nutrients, giving you what you need, Christ is watering you and tending to you, what is the growth or response or change or fruit that you want to see? How is it that you desire to live with God and with others? Maybe it's to forgive the person who you've been struggling to forgive. Do you know who that is? They're the worst. But maybe that's the calling. Maybe it's turning toward God more often in prayer throughout your day. Maybe it's turning away from temptation this week. Maybe it's being more generous and open-handed in how you use your finances to bless others. Maybe it's being a little quicker to listen and a little slower to speak, at least in some situations. Maybe it's to show up for somebody who needs a little time, a little attention, Maybe it's to invite or include or involve someone at the edges of work or in family life or in your neighborhood or your social group or at school. Maybe it's to include them a little bit more, even here at church. Maybe it's a calling just to be a little more patient with people, the way that God has been patient with you 
and with me. I'm just giving you some ideas for what the fruit of your life might look like as you grow up in faith, hope, and love. But I'll tell you one more thing, one more thing. As you know, in this story, the owner of the, of the vineyard says, I've been coming here for three years. Every year I've been coming looking for fruit on the tree. And some of you will know that fig trees take a little while to mature, to produce fruit that you can eat and enjoy. In fact, it usually takes about three years or maybe four years for fig trees to start to give off their fruit. So you might read this story and ask, why is the owner of the vineyard coming so soon? Why is he coming looking for fruit when it's not in season yet? That doesn't seem wise or good or fair. But it turns out that fig trees, this is a little agricultural nugget for you with your Bible study today, fig trees, before they produce fruit that you can eat, in the years leading up to that full maturity and full fruitfulness, in all those earlier years, they produce little fig-like fig -like thingies. That's a technical term. They're thingies that are on the tree, and they look like a fig, and they're kind of green and hard and tough. You can't eat them, but they're a sign of future fruitfulness. Those little thingies are a sign. They're first fruit, almost like a placeholder for what will come. And in the story, the owner might have been concerned because he comes looking for these signs, these little signs along the way that says, this tree is on the right path. This tree has a future of fruitfulness ahead because they fear maybe they won't produce at all, if not. So even before a fig tree, the fig tree of faith grows up to be what it might become, and before we grow up into all that we are meant to be, all that God might bless us to be, even before that, we seek to have little signs that say we're on the right path, little signs that say this is the path towards growth in our lives. If God is investing in our lives like a fig tree, in your life and mine, and in our church and, and here in our world, remember this. God is, in the end, a long-term investor. God has planted us, watered us, given us gifts to use, blessings to share, ways to grow up and be fruitful in our lives. So God is going to hodl, hold on for dear life, to you and to me through all the ups and downs. You have to remember that. Even as we yearn for growth, even as we begin again today, remember that, that you are in the skilled hands of the good gardener. May he guide you and grow you into all the sweetness that is in store. May it be so for you. Amen.